Shabbat Shalom. This is Rabbi Talmud Davis Har from Beth Elohim Messianic Synagogue bringing you commentary on Padasha number 50, Kitavo, when you come, out of Devarim, Deuteronomy 26, 1 through 29. And let's get going here. This Padasha has two main themes which are critical in the life of a true believer. Following God's instructions or his laws are not an option or a quote-unquote sometimes or maybe unquote proposition. If we hope to receive God's blessings in their fullest extent, it will behove us to learn these instructions, internalize them, and follow them whether or not we think they are impossible, because nothing is impossible with God. The two subjects we're covering this week are tithes and the confessions associated with them, the blessings and curses that will be metered out depending on our behavioral choices. In our last parasha, we learned about God's instructions concerning the new society of Israel as they entered the land, and they were exposed to idolatrous nations which surrounded them. God essentially set up the quote-unquote guard posts, otherwise known as his instructions, that apply to the society as a whole, families, individuals, and finally, gender roles. Having provided the ground rules for this new society, Moshe instructed the people in the liturgy of the two confessions and a reaffirmation of God's covenant and the conditions for receiving his blessings. Yes, there are conditions for receiving his blessings. There are some who choose to believe that because God says in Exodus 33:19 and Romans 9:15 that he will show mercy to whoever he chooses, that this is a way out of being held accountable for choosing to ignore his commands. Remember that God knows the heart of each individual and their level of trust in him or the lack thereof. When we choose to disobey God's commands and laws, we're indeed testing him, an act which he warns against in Deuteronomy chapter 6. The ties in the associated confessions are a beautiful way to acknowledge and worship God once they occupy the land. Through these confessions, their dedication and worship, the people maintained a perpetual consciousness of God as their redeemer and sustainer, their provider. Anyone who ties has surely experienced this feeling of trust and obedience out of love as God blesses with continued provision in every circumstance. The occasion for the first confession is the tithe of the first fruits. For them, a tenth of the best fruits from their crops, and for those who work for pay, 10% of monetary income. In the lives of the Israelites, this tithe happens several times during the year. For those who work for pay, this is to be done as soon as the individual receives their paycheck. The confession in chapter 26, 5 through 10 begins with a reference to Jacob as, quote, wandering Armean, unquote. This confession recalled to the one tithing of God's providence, his deliverance, and his goodness. The confession calls to mind of the giver of God's sustaining grace throughout all generations. After a tenth of the crops had been separated, yielded in the third year, the year of separating a tenth and having given to the Levite, the foreigner, the orphan and the widow, so that they would have enough food to sustain themselves while staying with the family. Another confession was to be made. This tithe was brought to the central sanctuary. The distribution of this tithe was to the Levite in the temple, the foreigner, orphan, and widow in the communities. And by making this tithe and distributing it, the Israelite expressed in a material way his love and concern for his neighbor. This tithe has multiple ramifications of which many who withhold their tithes don't seem to comprehend. 
That is, if we don't obey this command to tithe, we are not only denying ourselves blessings from God, but we are denying provision for the Levite, or for that matter, the synagogue in today's society, orphans, the poor, and the widows. We limit opportunities to make God's name known among the nations and to glorify him. Furthermore, we're asking for a spiritual time out if we continue to believe that God cannot or will not provide for our needs, which is a lack of trust in his faithfulness. Additional scriptures that reiterate the importance of tithing can be found in Leviticus 23, 27, Deuteronomy 14, uh, Proverbs 3, just to name a few. Tithing is one of the hardest laws for many people to follow because of misplaced priorities and a lack of trust in God. Yet observing and giving our tithes is one of the most rewarding experiences for the believer because it's a reminder that we cannot outgive God and it will be used for his glory. It's very sad to see people who don't attend synagogue on a regular basis or even their churches and they don't tithe until they return. Well, the bills still keep coming. And the synagogue still wants to continue to support orphans and widow organizations and others who are needy. And there's no way to plan for what can be given when tithes are sporadic. Even if those who collect the tithes misuse them, God will ultimately be glorified and he will rightly judge those who misuse them. This is not an excuse to withhold our tithes, as some rationalize, and attempt to justify. The confession of tithes provided an opportunity for the Israelite to publicly acknowledge that he actually shared with his fellow citizens as commanded. The confession also included a statement that he had not given tithes for pagan practices, for defilement, or for the dead, as was practiced by the surrounding pagan cultures. After this confession, the individual lovingly petitioned God to bless his people and the land. In this manner, the Israelite confessed his continual dependence on God and his blessings. <clears throat> and this dependence extends to orphans, widows, the poor, all of the organizations that synagogues and churches provide donations to. It doesn't stop with you. At least three times in this parasha, God reiterates through Moshe that the people will be blessed if they follow his commands and rulings, but will be cursed should they choose to reject them. This parasha is one that should be highlighted or otherwise marked in some way so that we can revisit it frequently as we come under more intense attacks by the radical left-wing leaders and followers. This attack on true believers is going to escalate at an accelerated pace as we continue in these end times. Yeshua warned his disciples of this very issue in John 15:18 through 25, and we can correlate John 15 with our parasha that provides the reason the world is degenerating so quickly. If you take the time to read Deuteronomy 28 in detail, you will have no difficulty understanding why our world is just beginning to suffer the curses for prolonged disobedience of God's Torah. Everyone is guilty. There are some who have repented and follow God out of love. Unfortunately, we are attached to collective punishment in many cases. With all the information on blessings and curses given to the people then, just as the information is available today, the majority of the human race remains stiff-necked and defiant against God and his Torah. For true believers, consolation may be found in the fact that God promises, you will never leave us nor forsake us. Deuteronomy 31.8, that's just one spot. 
and that no one can take the true believer from his hand. John 10.28 We have nothing to fear who love and follow God's Torah. We are to be anxious for nothing. Three scriptures here. Philippians 6.7, Psalm 46.10, and Psalm 23. We are to be anxious for nothing. Get that blood pressure down. Get the weight under control. Get the antidepressant medication uh, eliminated. When we are anxious for nothing, God will take care of his own. This parasha ends with encouragement once more as the people are reminded of God's provision and protection and testing and testing for their spiritual growth. We will undergo things that seem absolutely horrible to us, but are for our ultimate best and our growth. A tree's trunk can't grow stronger with no breeze and no wind and no storms. We have to go through the same thing. But we can know that God is with us on the other side and he will lead us through. Just as a point man leads the troops through a minefield. We have nothing to fear. Therefore observe the words of this covenant and obey them so that you can make everything you do prosper. Deuteronomy 29, 8 and 9. If things are difficult for you right now, or when they become so in the future, and they will, ask yourself if you're following God's Torah. And why not, if you're not? Prayerfully ask for forgiveness and the strength to overcome any lack of trust in God and recalculate your behaviors to coincide with God's Torah. Seek his blessings and not his curses. Dietary laws, follow them. Tithing, follow it. Gossip. Don't take part in it. Don't participate in it. Don't initiate it. Our Haftarahs out of Isaiah 60. And the Ixwis Haftarah is the sixth in a series of seven Haftarot of consolation. Isaiah recounts descriptions of what will unfold during the redemption. Beginning with the resurrection of the dead and the ingathering of the exiles, the Jewish people, and in this context it's all true believers, those who carry the testimony of Yeshua, that is becoming reconciled to God through Yeshua's sacrifice and following the commands of God, the laws of Moshe. Isaiah speaks of gifts that will be brought to God from all the nations of the world. The Jewish nation will no longer be despised and derided. There will be no longer violence or mourning, and God will shine his everlasting light upon his people. This light, of course, is Yeshua HaMashiach. That's Revelation 22.5. The bride, which is not the church, it is all true believers, will be married to her groom, Yeshua, Revelation 19.8, and they will live in the Father's house forever, Psalm 23.6. Our great is out of Romans 11, 1-15. Paul, or Shaul, tells the Messianic community in Rome that God has saved out 7,000 people who refused to submit to the worship of Baal. The statement reflects back to the reign of Ahab and Jezebel that was one of the most depraved periods of the first temple era. This couple introduced the worship of the idol Baal to the kingdom of Israel and established it as the official state religion. We see similar things evolving in our society today. So apparently widespread did this Baal religion become that God told the prophet Elijah, but I will leave over in Israel 7,000 people all the knees that did not bow to the Baal and every mouth that did not kiss it. It's in 1 Kings 19. Now this is 7,000 out of several million. This is a remnant. This takes us back to the discussion on social justice and the curses. 
There were only 7,000 people who stood up against the idea of idol worship and refused to tolerate it or give it social sanction. They were forced to go into hiding because of their protest against the social acceptability of the practice. Everyone else silently tolerated it to their own destruction. The destruction of the first temple and the removal of the Shekinah, God's glory, from among the people. Shaul reminds us there is a remnant in the present era chosen by grace for those who are observant out of love of God's commands, laws, statutes, and rulings. Now, it is not grace alone. It is also observing God's laws, commands, and statutes and rulings. Quote, the ones chosen have obtained it, grace, but the rest have been made stone-like, as the Tanakh says, God has given them a spirit of dullness, eyes that do not see and ears that do not hear, right down to the present day, unquote. Reflecting back to our Padasha, we're told the same thing. Quote, nevertheless, to this day, Adonai has not given you a heart to understand, eyes to see, or ears to hear, unquote. These statements in the Old and Refreshed Renewed Covenants validate the truth of God's Torah and the reliability of his word to the most empirically minded. Unfortunately, many people fall into the aforementioned population and simply cannot see or hear God because they're too self-absorbed in their perceived intellect. It's important for us to know that Yahweh alone prepares the human heart to receive him. We must be open to submission to his orders. Matthew 13:15 describes the status of people who are not ready to receive Yahweh Yeshua. People who barely hear and look but do not perceive the truths of Yahweh Yeshua will subscribe to a misplaced fear that adversities and testing meant for our ultimate good are really some sort of punishment. It all seems a matter of timing, as those who grow in their Torah study can attest. Individuals with an honest desire to ascend to God are led by the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, to learn something new every time they read scripture. It's as if looking at a crystal from different angles in the light. And this is because the timing must be right. The Ruach HaKodesh has perfect timing and knows when we are spiritually ready to learn another truth from God's Torah. Our hearts must be prepared before we can understand, see, and hear clearly that which God has for us. Now, as we prepare for Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot, May we make a special effort to prepare ourselves to receive what God wants to teach us, that we may obtain full forgiveness from our fellow man for any offenses toward them, and ultimately God, where there is still yet time. Amen.